transition, I wanted to just, again, remind us. In 2021, we focused on the three R's, 
repent, resolve, release. It was to be a year of individual growth to better serve the Lord and others, to think of others before we think of ourselves. But in this year, it's time to commit to maturing in our relationships with others, understanding who we are as the church, not just our fellowship, but the church, the body of Christ. It's time for the church to gather and rise to her destiny. She's been called out of darkness and brought into his marvelous light. Too many of us want to reap the benefits of community, but never be a part of the community. So it is as well with kingdom principles. Many want the benefits of the kingdom, but no relationship with the king, with Jesus. Remember, We are behind enemy lines, and the war is raging all around us, and will continue until the Lord returns. But Jesus is victorious, and that is how we are to view our lives, from that perspective. Because our identity is in Christ. We are living out of the victory that he obtained. We're not living out of a place of defeat. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in this world. And the word of God tells us he has given us everything we need to live a godly life. Let's go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. We've read this verse at the beginning of January. And so I want to bring us back to it. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 verse 1 through 11. Because we are called to encourage one another and to build each other up. We are part of a fellowship, part of a community. It says here in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 1 through 11, Now concerning how and when all these things will happen, dear brothers and sisters, and that is the hope of the resurrection that Paul's talking about. <coughs> we don't really need to write, we, we really don't need to write you, For you know quite well that the day of the Lord's return will come unexpectedly like a thief in the night. When people are saying everything is peaceful and secure, then disaster will fall on them. And suddenly, as suddenly as a pregnant woman's labor pains begin, and there will be no escape. But you aren't in the dark about these things, dear brothers and sisters. And you won't be surprised when the day of the Lord comes like a thief. For you are all children of light and of the day. We don't belong to darkness and night. So be on guard. Not asleep like the others. Stay alert and be clear-headed. Night is the time when people sleep and drinkers get drunk. But let us who live in the light be clear-headed protected by the armor of faith and love, and wearing as our helmet the confidence of our salvation. For God chose to save us through our Lord Jesus Christ, not to pour out his anger on us. Christ died for us so that whether we are dead or alive when he returns, we can live with him forever. So, encourage each other and build each other up just as you are already doing. Oh, how I pray that we understand what we are to be doing as we're in community with one another. Not just going to church, 
Not just allowing church to be just a religious institution in religious ways. No, no, no. It's a whole new life. It's a, it's a way that people who are born again in Christ are living out the faith in Christ. Living like Christ. Being his hands and his feet. Having a common interest and a purpose. We know whom we belong to. We know ultimately that he's returning from us. And the hope and the joy that we should have in that and to encourage each other in that daily. I go on with these notes here. We are in error if we say and believe that you don't need to go to church. Where is that in the Bible? <laughs> the enemy will love nothing more than to pull us apart, sow division, and isolate us from one, from one another. We are to be working together functioning as a body, each of us using our gifts that the Holy Spirit has distributed among us to accomplish our Father's will. I've always encouraged us to be a healthy member of the body of Christ. You are needed and our purpose for this generation. He has prepared good works for you to do, not in and of your own strength, but through Him. We are to live out this new life by the Holy Spirit, not our flesh. We are called not to forsake coming together and living out this life together in community. Going to church doesn't save you, but it does equip you. Not attending can lead you to error, which ultimately will lead you astray. I've said it over the past year or so that the way we've done church will not survive in this generation and the generations to come. It's time for the church to return to her roots and grow in Christ and with each other. The Christian life was not meant to be lived in solitude, but in community. Oh, and just in case you think I'm talking about just showing up to a building or to a house, no, it's about connecting and growing with a community of believers that desire to draw close to God and to one another. Also, don't make it about a large group of people he is there in the middle when two or more are gathered. I pray that in this new year, we will begin to see the beauty and the value of belonging to Christ first and then to a community of believers. So let's think upon that for a second before we look at some scriptures to encourage us about community. Jesus is the head. It's all about him. This is why we gather. It's not about any one of us in this room. It's not about Gilda's food. It ought not to be. But it's about Jesus. Jesus. Your Christian life is all because of Jesus. He's the author. He's the perfecter. He's the finisher of what he's begun in you. And I keep encouraging us, we didn't begin this. We did not wake up one day and say, huh, I'll, I'll take a look at Jesus. No, that's not how it works. We were in complete rebellion against him. We hated God and we hated his creation. And yet, the craziness of that state of rebellion and sin is that we look to the created that God created to fulfill us. Instead of looking at the creator. And how crazy is that? It just shows you the, 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 the realization that it doesn't make sense 
to let the created, for you to find your identity in the created. Because the created in and of itself is fading away. And we've talked about this over the past few weeks. The basic need of humanity is to belong. And every man, every woman, every boy, and every girl, they just want to be accepted. They just want to belong. There's this need within us. And we will move heaven and earth to get to some place, someone, or something so that we would belong or sense that we belong. But we're looking to the temporalness of life to fill an eternal need. You see, God placed that within us. (laughs) And the only place that we're going to find where we belong, ultimately, is in Christ. Are you looking for wholeness? You're looking for purpose? You're looking for meaning? You're looking for hope? All that can be found in Christ. You're looking for healing? You're looking for, uh, for, for wisdom? You're looking for whatever that drawing need within you that's making you go out and search all over the place just a sense of, 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 of acceptance, of, of value, of worth, of love? Or we're looking in the wrong place if we're looking for the temporalness to meet that need, it never will. Because once you think you found it, it's gone the next day. Once you place your hope, even in a person or a relationship, they can drop dead. And then what do you have? You're on the search again. You put your hope and in, 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 in peace or, or worth in a substance or in things or whatever that is that is temporal. It could be gone in an instant. But in Christ, in Christ, oh no. The risen Savior, he's seated at the right hand of the throne of God. God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son that whoever would believe in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Jesus says, I have not abandoned you. I haven't left you as orphans. No, no, no. I'm going away. I'm preparing a place for you. I'm coming back. But while I'm gone, I'm going to send you the comforter, your teacher, your guide, the Holy Spirit, God himself in you. If you're a believer, if you're a believer, you have the Holy Spirit. You've been born again. Uh, The old has passed away. Everything is made new. And that's the point of your living. That's the point as as you're living out of now, of that understanding. Because God was pleased to reveal himself to you through his son, Jesus And when you accepted Jesus, when when you came to have a a strong faith and belief and confession that Jesus is the Son of God and that he rose from the dead, I've encouraged you, that is what your foundation is. (laughs) Because the Bible says it's at that point that you're saved. You've been born again. (laughs) And that's ultimately transforming your life. Because again, the Bible tells us, how does he transform us? By changing the way we think. And if that is my faith, and that is my confession, then that is my foundation, Christ and Christ alone. And now how then shall I live? I'm not striving to be perfect, 
but I am striving to mature and to grow and to not allow what was back there to keep defining me. Not allow thoughts that have just ran me wild to keep defining me. No, no. How then shall I live? Jesus, you are the son of God and you rose from the dead. I believe. I believe and I know, God, that you have accepted me, not because of anything I have done, but because all that Christ did for me. And so I don't want to strive in and of my flesh to be good. Because even Paul tells the church, what are, you, what are you doing? Why are you trying to live out what you received in the spirit in your flesh? It can't be done. And so many people live under the weight of, of just a religious duty. <laughs> and they're missing out on the freedom that is found in Christ. Just because you're free, it doesn't give you a license to continue to sin and do whatever you want. No, the freedom, you come to really understand what you've received and now then how you should live in a way that's honoring Jesus. Because again, it's all about him. He builds his church. He calls people out of darkness. He brings them into his marvelous light. He adopts them. We become children of God. And so when we gather, when we're in community, we're first in fellowship with him. And then he draws us to a place where we fellowship with others, where we grow, where, where we seek to encourage each other, to edify each other, and to build each other up in Christ. <laughs> See, we should just keep pointing each other to Christ. And when there's things in our lives that are not honoring Christ, then we come alongside each other and we encourage each other. Keep focused on Christ. Keep maturing. Keep growing in Christ because Christ is the head. Amen. And we're the body. And we're to be healthy members of the body. Functioning. Learning what our gifts are that the Holy Spirit distributed among us. To accomplish, not what we want to set forth in this day, but what he has called us to, to do the will of the Father. And so that's where I want to encourage you, as I encourage myself, that that's our goal each and every single day. Not getting up and living out of our purpose, but God, what do you have for me today? Like God, whatever I put my hand towards, God, I want to honor you in it. The Bible says, whatever we do, do it as unto the Lord. And then if you don't know, that's why you have, first, the Holy Spirit, and then second, community, where you can seek to know, how then shall I live now? I would have done this, but in, as a Christian, as a child of God, what do I do now? I used to think this way, so how do I think now? You know, I used to move this way or go this way, but how am I to move and go now? <laughs> Because I want to honor Christ. See, you're not forced to submit. You're not forced to submit to him. No, you freely lay down your life. Because ultimately you recognize that when you came to that faith and that confession that he laid his life down for you. He didn't have to. He didn't have to. And as I said, I believe last week, your faith in Christ is not to be lived just for you. What he did was just not for you. <laughs> So you can't hide it. 
You can't live, you can't be timid about it. You can't just come and go as you please. No, you need to be able to honor him. You need to be able to grow. You need to be able to pray and ask God for boldness to share your faith, to live out your faith, to, 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 to be Jesus to others. Not that you are Jesus, but that you're becoming like him, the Bible says. And you're living it out. I said last week, it would be weird if God sent Jesus... And then while Jesus was on this earth, he kept everything to himself. He kept the light in. He kept the truth in. He just went about day to day. He was Jesus, fully God, fully man, but he did nothing. What would be the purpose? No, he came into this world. Light came in to darkness, but darkness did not want the light, the Bible says. Jesus knew that he was stepping in to a a, a creation that was a complete rebellion towards him. And yet he came. Why? Because God so loved them. So many times when we hear the gospel, when people hear the gospel, all they hear is all about God's wrath. And yes, that's a part of who God is. But just as I've always encouraged you over the years, just as much as he is a God of wrath, he is a God of love. You can't have just him being full of wrath and no love, and you can't have him be full of love with no wrath because then you don't really get a full picture of who he is. No, he's both. That's why Jesus came. So many people stay away from Jesus, stay away from the church, because all they know is that they're in error. There, something is not right. I don't like what they're saying. It makes me uncomfortable. I want to keep doing what I'm doing, living for myself. And they have a right to. But oh, how I pray that as you are long, walking along their path and you have an opportunity to share with them, that you're sharing with them the hope that is in Jesus. That you're speaking. That you're not just speaking, but also living it out. Before them, that they can look and say, There's something different about you. Again, to some, you will be a stench of death, but to others, you're going to be a fragrance of life. You know, my whole life before I came to Christ, all I heard, and I've shared this with you before, is how much God hated me. That I was an abomination, that He hated me. I needed to hear that. But also what I needed to hear was that as much as he hated me, that I was an abomination towards him, he loved me. It was God's desire not to, for me not to remain in rebellion towards him. His love was so much greater than his hatred. He desired to transform me, to call me his own. I mean, that's beautiful. Man couldn't make this up. That God so loved us. As much as he hated me, he hated you. <laughs> he hates it. He, 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 sin is, not, is nowhere in God's design to be pleasing to God. Sinners are not pleasing to God. We're in complete rebellion towards him. We hate him. 
And yet, and yet, the Bible says he loved us, yet though we were complete rebellion towards him. He knows the condition of your heart, so there's no need to keep running. There's no need to try to pretend that you're in relationship with him if you're not. That's the saddest part in the Bible is the people that are going to be standing before him at the when right before him and they're going to and he's going to say depart from me I never knew you. And they're going to say but wait a minute didn't I do this and didn't I do that and wasn't I good enough and he's going to say I don't know you depart from me you workers of iniquity you're workers of sin you're bound by sin. I don't know you. I don't know you. And, and how devastating that for eternity they will be separated in a place of, of destruction, of utter torment, hell for eternity. Because they were never, never, they never came to a place to really accept him for who he was. They were satisfied with religion. <laughs> But they were never fully complete in Christ. And how sad. So you're to be living out this life. You're to be engaging in fellowship and, 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 and with Christ, with the Holy Spirit, and then with community. So that you're learning, so that you're growing. This is the importance. Again, it's just not going to church. But it's being the church. Like thinking of others before you think of yourself serving Christ, serving others. This is a whole new way of living. And we ought to be excited about it. And so when you're out and about, you have that opportunity. Like to tell people what God did through Christ to redeem them. I've always told you, it's not God stiff-arming man. It's man, it's the created stiff-arming God. And I've always told you, don't let the, the enemy or the world system or the religious system teach you theology. They're going to pervert it. They're going to twist it to keep you in a place of ignorance. Because once you know him, once you taste it and see that the Lord is good, you're not going to be satisfied with all what's out there. You're not. You may go and take a dabble or, or take a little bite, but what you're going to be like, uh, it doesn't even do anything for me anymore. Because it's not who I am. No, no, no. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in this world. And listen, <laughs> I can't say it enough. The church has to wake up. The church has to understand her destiny in this hour. You are not a mistake. You were purposed for this craziness. <laughs> Not to be caught up in it, but purposed to be the light among them. To go forth and to be about your father's business. To share truth. I've always encouraged you again, and I'll keep encouraging you, you should care more about people's eternity than their temporalness. Stop just going along with them. Ah, just laughing and carrying on. Just this or that. Because how sad. Because you don't know if that's the last moment you had with them. We got to be kingdom people and kingdom minded. We got to be purposeful 
and maturing as such, knowing who our king is. I tell people all the time, as I've told myself over the years and the seasons I've lived in, dry spells or this or that, wandering around the wilderness. You know God as much as you want to know him because he's holding nothing back. You want an intimate relationship with him? You want to know who he is? Then seek him. The Bible says you will find him if you seek him with your whole heart. You can never point your finger at God and blame him. No, no, it's always pointing back at you. You have as much knowledge and wisdom and anointing on your life as you seek him. But you got all these distractions out here and in here. (laughs) When you're walking by the flesh, craving the things of the flesh, doing the things of the flesh, Just running amok out in the world. Allowing the world system to define you. You're just a slave to sin. And that's not how a Christian ought to be living. And why on earth the church over the years and Christians over the years, me included, have walked through and allowed ourselves to strip him down and make him common? To be ignorant of his word? can't do that. It's not how we're called to live. It's funny, religious people are quick to go at you with scripture. But if you don't believe in who he is, you're not going to believe what he has said. This is the full word of God. Everything you need to know about him and how to live, not in of your own strength, but by the Holy Spirit. So how are you daily engaging with the Holy Spirit in your life? It's time to grow up. It's time to be able to stand. And I'm not saying get out there and beat people over the head with the Bible or yell and scream at people because that's not what that's not what it's about. But do you know? Like, can you confidently talk about who you belong to and what he has done in your life? I told you, when I, when I was... Crazy out there in the world. I used to love Christians. To laugh at them, to mock them, to go toe-to-toe with them. Oh, especially the ones that used to sit in the bars with me. And I saw them as weak and pathetic. They didn't know their God. And and Norman and I have talked about this before. And the crazy thing is, is I think I had more reverence and fear of their God than they did. Because when I was involved in all that brouhaha and witchcraft and all that other stuff, oh, I knew the Christians and the churches not to even mess with. Because the power and the light that was upon them and within them, I recognized and I shrinked back from it. The Bible says even the demons know. (laughs) And they shudder. Have you shuddered this week? Do you have the fear of God? Things you shouldn't have touched? Things that came out of your mouth? Thoughts that have been running amok? Wherever your feet led you? You say, well, I don't want to live in fear like that. No, you need to live in fear like that. Not that he's going to strike you down every time you mess up, but that you understand, wait a minute, I'm claiming that he's God, that he's holy, that he's righteous, that from the beginning to the end, he's set apart 
of people that he will call his own. And that in each and every single generation, he raises them up to bear witness of who he is. And yet I find myself here again. Oh no, the devil is a liar. (laughs) And you get up with the strength and the truth of who God is, knowing good and well that it's his loving kindness that brings you to repentance. So repent, turn from it and get back to him. (laughs) That's the place. Without the fear of God, you know what's going to happen. You're going to touch. From touch, you're going to taste. From taste, you're going to go. And before you know it, you're way over there and God's over here. And then you're going to blame God and wonder, where is God at? When all along, it's been you. It's been you. You're the one who caved in. You're the one that turned your back. But great is our God that he's always running towards the prodigal. Till you turn and you recognize, oh God, I'm sorry. And you go to go back, he runs to embrace you. See, he's a God who restores. And so that's why we just don't take for granted, you know, get called, oops, sorry, oops, sorry, and it doesn't mean anything. No, there's, remember repentance, we learned about it all last year. It's a genuine remorse. It's like, oh God, what? I'm so sorry. And you get up, you don't stay down, because Jesus isn't down, Jesus has already defeated sin and death. So you got to know your God. So that when you're out and about, back in the days when there were Christians who were not moved by my ignorance, they weren't moved by me just throwing scriptures out at them. They weren't moved. They they didn't cower down like the majority of them did. See, when I came to Christ, it was those people I started remembering. I'm like, wow, I remember that person. I remember this person or that person. Man, they, they stood all along. I was blind and thinking Christians were weak and pathetic when the reality is the people I saw as weak and pathetic weren't Christians. They were just religious. They didn't know Christ. They didn't know Christ. They knew of him. They wanted the benefits of the kingdom, but they did not know their king. Do you know your king? Do others know that you know your king? <laughs> because they ought to. Let's look at some scriptures on community. Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. And we're going to hopefully start the book of Acts today. We'll see how far we go. But Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through 47. All the believers devoted themselves It didn't just say some. It didn't just say one or two. No, it was all of the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowshipping, to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. They just didn't seclude themselves away to learn. They also connected with others to live. Your learning has to turn into living. You can have all the knowledge of the world, but if it's not applied, it's really no knowledge at all. You have to put into practice. He goes on, a deep sense of awe came over them, and and, I'm sorry, came over them all. And the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers... I love that. All the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. 
They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshipped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. All the while preaching God and enjoying the goodwill, praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. It's so vital that others see Christians living in community, living in fellowship, not divided, but in unity, not perfect, but maturing. See, we have to bear the good, the bad, and the ugly. Because if you look around the room, that's what's in us. Good, the bad, and the ugly. We're going to step on each other's toes. We're, we're going to irritate each other here and there. We're not going to understand what this person or that person is doing. But what we have in common is Jesus. And so that's why we can come together and we can encourage each other and we can edify each other and we can build each other up. And what we have in common is, is that we will not tolerate sin because we know how destructive it is. We know that it, nothing good can come from it. And so that's why there's accountability amongst the fellowship. You know, they were together and they were doing things together. It looks weird to the world, but yet that's what the world is searching for. See, the world is quick to look at the church and say, you all are weird. But we're no different than them. They have their groups. They, they gather together and, and, and they celebrate and they live what they believe. And yet they want to look at the church and say, no, no, you can't do that. <laughs> but we can. Because this is who we are. We're not living like them. We're set apart. Not because God is bad. <laughs> or God's not good. No, because God is gracious and kind. And we're not to be cowering down just so others can feel comfortable. No, the gospel offends. The gospel offends. You share the gospel, people are going to respond one way or another. They're going to reject him or they're going to receive him. Simple as that. And all we're called to do, sow the seed, water the seed, leave it up to the Holy Spirit to harvest it. People don't want to hear it anymore. Respect them. Because they have every right to live however they want. Don't be, don't be annoying. Leave them be. Because guess what God does? See, if you know your God, you would know then how to act. He turns them over. And turning over, he doesn't give up on them. But he turns them over to what they want. So we keep interceding. We keep praying. And the opportunity comes back up to, to share or just to serve them or just to love them, then do so. But other than that, just don't chase them and just don't get stuck on them. There's a lot of people who have stayed stuck in ministry or stuck in their Christian life because they're heavily burdened for one or two people. <laughs> and yet they're neglecting everyone else that's around them, some even in their own homes. And that's what we have to be careful of. 
Because we can turn it over to God and we can trust that God is doing what he is supposed to be doing to reveal himself to them through Jesus. So pray for laborers. I always tell people, when I counsel people about praying for people or loved ones, pray for laborers to come along their path. Because maybe they heard enough of you. (laughs) And now they need someone else to confirm the word that has been spoken over them. See, there's a way in which we're called to live. The confidence that we can have in our God. So that we're not shaken to our core and we give up so easily. Oh, no. The devil's going to throw his blows. He's going to lay down the gauntlet. But you stand up. Because Christ is victorious. Christ is victorious. And so we come together. We worship together. We study together. We encourage each other. This is community. This is the church. Go to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians 4. Verse 1 through 6. Unity in the body. Ephesians chapter 4, 1 through 6. Therefore, I, a prisoner, for serving the Lord, (laughs) beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. You have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowances for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourself united in the spirit, binding yourselves together. Oh God, listen to this, with peace. Nothing missing, nothing broken. (laughs) For there is one body and one spirit, just as you have been called to one glorious hope for the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all, in all, and living through all. However, I'm sorry, yeah, however, he is giving each one of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. That is why the scriptures say, when he ascended to the heights, he led a crowd of captives and gave gifts to his people. Notice that it says he ascended. This clearly means that Christ also descended into our lowly world. And the same one who descended is the one who ascended higher than all of the heavens so that he might fill the entire universe with himself. Do you know your God? (laughs) I mean, did you just hear that description? See, if we keep him small, if we keep him at a level that we just make him like any other common God or deity, we're missing out on him. Like, do you hear this? Now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors, and the teacher. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do His work and build up the church and the body of Christ. Or the church, the body of Christ. Man. I mean, Jesus, you all. To truly see him for who he he is. I mean, it ought to shake you to your core. Like, oh, God. Over the years, it's going to be 25 years I've walked with the Lord this year. 
And over the years, I've had seasons of doubt. I have seasons of dryness. I have seasons of weariness. I have seasons of this, of that. But he's always been faithful. He's always been faithful when I haven't been. He's always willing to give more when I'm willing to seek. You see, you have not because you've asked not. I mean, he is so pleased to reveal himself to you. Because remember, he's prepared good works for you to do. And we've just been distracted. The world's going to hell in a handbasket, but you're here for a reason. Your purpose to serve the God who has ascended high above the heavens and filled the universe with himself. Where is he today? Where is he as you go about your day? Like, you understand the confidence that you can have in your God? Not in and of yourself, not in your calling, not in your anointing, but in your God. Oh, it'll, it'll change the way you pray. It'll change the way you live. It'll change the way when the temporalness of life comes at your door knocking. It'll change the way you, you, you deal with the desires that are within you that you ought not to be entertaining. Because he makes it way out of every temptation. It'll deal with how you deal with the thoughts that are running rampant in your mind that are so contrary to who he is and how you ought to be living that you'll take thoughts captive. And say, oh, not today. I'm going to bring you down and in the authority. I'm going to place you under the authority of his lordship of my life. You see, there's a way which we're called to live for Christ, in Christ, and with each other. To live in unity, to allow each of the gifts that we've been given to function, to accomplish what he's called for us to do. Go to Romans 12. Romans 12. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform your mind. (laughs) I'm sorry, let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourself by the faith God has given us. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, well, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. 
If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If, you're, if your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take, that, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tightly to what is good. Love each other with a genuine affection. And take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy. But work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble. And keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Take that into your week this week. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. And don't think you know it all. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. I'm doing in doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. Don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. This is the way we are to be living with each other. This is how this is who we are now. This is the mirror. And like the book of James, when it says, you can't just be a hearer of the word, you have to be a doer of it. Like you, it's like a man looking intently into a mirror and then turning away and forgetting what he looks like. So it is. You can sit down for hours <laughs> and mull over this over and over and over and over. But if you're not putting it into practice, it means nothing. It means nothing. If it's not transforming you, it means nothing. There's a way in which we're called to live. We have a confident hope in our God. He has delivered us from death into life. Every foe has been defeated. And we're to live in harmony with each other as we're living in harmony with him. See, what you've received, you just freely give. Why am I going to hold back from you? Because of my insecurities, <laughs> because of my past, because of this, because what are they going to think of me? See, the problem is we, we're keeping our eyes on ourselves, and we're thinking of ourself. And we've got to become selfless and stop remaining selfish. No. Like serve others. Love others. As you're serving Christ and loving Him. Finally, Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. Verse 3 is where I'm starting. 
Then we're going to go through 16. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others better than, than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is the Lord to the glory of God the Father. Dear friends, you've always followed my instructions when I was with you, and now that I am away, it is even more important. Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. I've encouraged you because I've shared the scripture many times with you before. Who does the work? God. Who is pleased? God. He does it. So why are we trying to do it? Like if we can just, just rest in him and know that he's got us, that he's called us, that what he has begun, he is faithful to complete, that we have got to put our hands and feet in motion, that we have to, we have to live this out. And look, it says that he gives us the desire and the power to do what pleases him. You don't have to try to conjure it up or pretend. I mean, you could try, but how exhausting. Because then all you're going to do is lie to yourself, thinking that other people are going along with you and that you deceive them. But like I've always shared with you, it's not that you're deceiving others, but you're deceiving yourself. You're just a whitewashed tomb, empty inside, tormented. Here today, gone tomorrow. No, this is real. This is, this is genuine. This is truth. It has, it has impacted your life. It has altered your life. Because now you're a child of God. Do everything without complaining and arguing. Do everything. Not when it's, fit, when it's right for you. But get to a place. Grow. Mature to a place. Doesn't mean you're going to be perfect. That's never going to happen. But it ought not to keep defining you. So get to a place without complaining, doing everything without complaining and arguing so that no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Hold Firmly to the word of life, then on the day of Christ's return, I will be proud that I did not run the race in vain and that my work was not useless. Scriptures on community, how we are to live. 
I opened up sharing with you all a couple weeks ago when we first got back together. And oh, if you haven't read the notes, if you haven't listened, if you haven't been here and you haven't read the notes, you don't know what we kind of have walked into this year, would you take the time to do it? And then as you take the time to do it, if you have any questions, would you just reach out and set up a time for you and I to sit down? Because I'm challenging us this year. We're going in. Where it's, it's time to dive in deep and really grasp who he is, who the church is, and how we're to be living in this day and age. We've got to know that we know that we know that we know. So I introduced us to the Heidelberg Catechism. It's not a Catholic teaching, though catechism is part of Catholicism, but we're teaching no Catholicism here. We're teaching the Word of God. All the catechism means is that teaching. So this was written back in the 1500s, and it's been used ever since to equip the church. And so there's 52 Lord's Days within this catechism. And within each day, there's questions and answers. And within those answers, the answers are all based on scriptures. So the scriptures are listed out. I give them the carry to list them out in the notes. On Wednesday night, we go deeper. (laughs) And we open up the word. We read scriptures. And we're not reading all those scriptures (laughs) here on Sunday. But on Wednesday night, we do. Because, again, I can't just take for granted that you all are actually leaving this place and doing your part through the week. Not just saying, okay, that's what Rob says. No, no, that you understand that's what the Word of God says. <laughs> that you're opening up the Scripture, that you're reading it, that you're seeking to gain understanding. So that's why we have a Wednesday night gathering, is so that we all can come together, open up the Word together. Everyone has an opportunity to read and then to ask questions. And maybe they don't have a question, maybe they just want to share what they've taken away, with encouragement. And it's a time that we really build each other up. And so I just want to encourage you, like that first question on the first day, two weeks ago, what's your comfort in life and death? If I asked you that, do you know how to respond as a Christian? You ought to. And if you don't, then go read the notes. And I told you the scriptures that this gentleman did back in the 1500s, that's that's not an exhaustive list of scripture because as you get to know scriptures, I'm reading this. I've been studying this since last year. I've been praying because the Lord placed in my heart that community was what we're really going to focus in on this year. And so when I came across this tool, I was like, man, this is so rich. But as I'm looking, I'm thinking, man, there's so many other scriptures that you can put into this answer. And you may want to do that on your own. <laughs> but he at least gives us enough to be able to, to answer that. And I hope you're challenged by it. I hope that, it, that it's something that you're like, man, this is what I need. Because, man, I've just been living kind of a shallow kind of Christian life. Like, I wouldn't know how to answer that. But, oh, how I pray that you get equipped through Scripture on how to answer a question like that. And then day two, he talks about, in order to really understand this comfort from day one, you have to understand your misery. And so we opened up last week understanding the misery And so we're carrying on with misery today. Lord's Day 3 from the Heidelberg Catechism. Listen to this. Here's the question today. We've got three questions. The first question, did God create people so wicked and perverse? No. 
God created them good and in his image. That is, in true righteousness and holiness so that they might truly know God, their creator, love him with all their heart and live with God in eternal happiness to praise and glorify him. You don't need to answer now, but how would you have answered that question? There's scriptures to back that up. You have to be able to, to, again, know your God and how to share your faith. A lot of people don't understand that. Number two, then where does this corrupt human nature come from? So if God created everything good for his purpose, so then where did it come from? Well, the fall and disobedience of our first parent, of our first parents, Adam and Eve, in paradise. This fall has so poisoned our nature, we are all conceived and born in a sinful condition. He gives you the scriptures for it. The final question. But are we so corrupt that we are totally unable to do any good and inclined toward evil to all and, and are inclined toward all evil? Yes. Unless. We are born again by the Spirit of God. There's that hope in your misery. And so I just want to keep encouraging you. We're going to look at these each day. We have 52 of them. We're on number three. So we'll get through it, but man, I'm challenging you all. Like, just don't take it for granted. Just don't, you know, like, take the tools that have been given to you, because it's all scriptures since the beginning of our fellowship. If you remember, if you were here back the first day, I played a little video for you from the movie of Moses. And he's telling the people, God wants to speak to you. Prepare yourselves tomorrow. It's a beautiful scene. And so he gathers all the people and God begins to speak. And the people, no, no, that's what the scripture says. They were like, no, Moses, no, we don't want to hear from him. You speak to us, Moses. Let God speak to you. You speak to us. And Moses like, no, 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 he wants to speak to you. And as it's been throughout all generation, the created has pushed against God. They're satisfied with having a man or someone in front of them telling them about God, but they don't want to hear God for themselves. And that's where religion comes because religious institutions over the years, they've controlled. We even read it in scripture. What are the Pharisees and Sadducees? They studied. They knew the times, what the Messiah was supposed to do. They knew who they were expecting. And yet they turned from God. Jesus says that they're the sons of the devil. He says, you travel far to win converts, but you make them twice as much the son of hell as you are. Every religious institution, they keep people from God. But our fellowship from the beginning was to give you the word that you would hear from God directly. That I would be the shepherd that God has appointed to lead but it's just not, the burden is just not on me. It's on all of us. To utilize the gifts and the talents that the Lord has given us. 
See, I can't be the only one in prayer. I can't be the only one counseling. I can't be the only one doing and serving and exhausting myself for the fellowship. The hours that that I've put in with the majority of you. You ought to be doing that for others. It's like what Paul said. Oh, how I pray that when the Lord returns, my labor was not in vain. And so I give you the word. That's all we have. I don't want to give you my opinion. My opinion means nothing. All I can do is give you the word. I can't live it out for you. I can encourage you. But you have to take it. You have to believe. There has to come a place where you believe. And so when these tools are given to you, just don't just let it fall away to the side. It's okay, whatever. No, no, no. If you're truly genuine, a Christian... You want to take all that you can, allow the Holy Spirit to develop you and to equip you to live out. Like these are exciting days. Like we're living in prophetic times, you all. Our God is returning. Do you rejoice in that? Do you get up throughout the day and just go, Jesus, you're returning? Like this is it's so evident now, more so than any other time in history. We don't know the day and the hour that He's coming, but by God, we know the times, we can see the signs. Are you preparing for his return? Are you encouraging your loved ones? So take this tool. Get used to to, to studying and and, and getting deep into the Lord. Allow your roots to grow down deep. If you remain service level Christianity, you're going to be overtaken. And you're going to start believing doctrines of demons. Because it's happening even now. In the churches. Solid people that used to hold truth and preach truth, they're teaching heresy. And you stand up and you expose them, people get angry. How dare you speak? Because people want. See, we're, we're shifting to a time where the word, the, the word of God is not going to be valued. People only want to go to places that itch my ears, make it about me, make me comfortable, do for me, serve me. And if they don't, oh, then they have a problem. It's the pastor, it's the church, it's that person, it's this person. See, you know who's selfish. Because <laughs> you see the fruit of their life. But oh, how I pray you take it. True Freedom Fellowship. Over the past few weeks, I've been holding up who we are as a fellowship because I've been trying to encourage you. If you're saying this is where God has brought you to grow, well then would you just be a part of community? <laughs> Learn to treasure our times together. Learn to encourage one another, to serve one another. Do you even know who we are? Do you even know that this is a full functioning church? Do you know our values? Uh, do, you, do you know like our, our, our statement of faith? I, I read it the other day. I challenged you to go open up our website or open up the notes. <laughs> do you know what you, we believe? Today I want to look at frequently asked questions about True Freedom Fellowship, a house church. The first one, since you all do not meet in a church building, does that mean you are angry or bitter towards what is considered the traditional church? The answer, no, not at all. Quite the opposite. We love the body of Christ, regardless of where or how they meet. We want to partner with and come alongside all types of fellowships those who meet in the traditional church buildings and those who don't. 
The church is called to edify, to equip, and build up the body of Christ so that the kingdom of God can be advanced. Question number two that's frequently asked. How do you all approach the topic of tithing? The answer, we believe that giving to the work of the Lord is a command from the Lord and very biblical. We are not classified as a nonprofit organization in the eyes of the government, so you would not get any tax credit for the gift. And some people have asked, well, why aren't you 5013C? Why aren't you, uh, you know, a way that we can give and receive a, a tax deductible receipt? From the beginning, when God called us to this, every time I tried, I just felt the Holy Spirit say no. Because this was many years ago. But in the time and day in which we're living, churches are going to have to come to a place that either they're preaching the gospel or they're preaching what the government allows. Because there's going to come a time when the government, and see, talking that way years ago when I was talking that way, I had these weird blank stares from pastors or Christians like, okay, well, you're off, you're odd, but now we're living those days. Not because Rob knew anything special, which is that the Lord said no. Because sooner or later, when they start passing these laws, telling the churches like they're doing in Canada, what you can preach and what you can't, and if you go against it, they strip you of that and they take, the, they take your property from you. You can go to prison. You can go to jail. So that's why we're not 5013C. There's nothing wrong with it. They can remain that way and they ought to. Don't tell people not to do it. But as for us, if people are asked, well then why? Now you know. Because we want to hold true to the word of God and we don't want to have something over us that we're going to have to determine, well, are we going to water it down or are we not? We're not controlled. We're not going to be a government institution and be forced to preach what the government wants us to preach. So we're already equipped for the days that we're in. And then I say, we also do not have a formal collection time. It is left up to you and God as how you would choose to give. We have missionaries and missions that we support, and you are encouraged and welcome to give to them. We also take up collections for various needs in the body or in the community as they come about. You are also welcome to give towards the weekly cost of our meeting times, i.e. food costs, etc. However you give, give out of obedience and a glad heart with a desire to see the kingdom of God advance. You see, you're going to keep hearing that theme over and over because that's why we're together. And you ought to be giving. If you're not giving, then something's wrong. (laughs) Don't let that weigh heavy on you. (laughs) But it ought to be something that stirs you up. And you ought to be giving with a cheerful heart, not because you're forced, or I play a sad video that tugs on your heart to, oh, let me write this check that you don't even have the money for. (laughs) I mean, the widow gave just all that she had. And God knew her heart. The other people paraded in with their giving. <laughs> yeah. So give as you can give. But you ought to be sowing in. Not because I'm twisting your arm, not because of anything, not because I'm, I'm making a note of who gave today and who didn't. <laughs> but there's needs that we give out. Like Lorena. Like this is a young woman who, who's in desperate need. And we as a local church can send money to her and bless her this month. You ought to be giving. You ought to be contributing. Just don't take, just don't take, 
Just don't take from the community and not be part of the community. Give a quarter, it's a quarter that you gave with a good heart. (laughs) You know, give. Finally, last question. Are you affiliated with a specific denomination? No, we are not associated with any one denomination in particular. We do have a set of Bible-believing truths that we operate under. So refer to the statement of faith. However, we are not considered a part of any one denomination. We are an evangelical body of believers who believe in the sovereignty of God and that Jesus Christ is the only way to salvation. It is our desire to extend fellowship to believers from all backgrounds, regardless of denomination, uniting under the truth of the gospel and God's redeeming and disciplining love. This is who we are. True Freedom Fellowship. You can always go to our webpage. You can always refer people to our webpage. They can understand who we are and how we function. But we're going to come together now collectively as the body to take communion. And as the song of worship is playing, oh, how I pray you just take a moment. And if there's any active sin in your life, if you're a believer, that you would repent. And you would allow the Holy Spirit to lead you to a place of repentance. So as you go to take the bread and, and, and the juice to honor him, to commemorate his, his death, you know, and, that, and we do it as unto him and we look forward to his return, that you're doing it in a manner that's honoring him and not just pretending with him. So, Norman, if you would come, pray that these words will encourage you and bless you.
that, would you pray over the bread? Lord, as we come together for uh, this communion, the representation of this bread as your body, as we think upon it, as we, we dwell on what your body did for us, Yoda, would you pray over the cup? Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for the blood of Jesus mm. that he freely gave, Lord. Thank you, Father, that <laughs> he thought of us, Lord. Thank you for gift, his love. Yes, Lord. Thank you for the freedom that is found in it. Thank you, Father, for loving us. For loving us first. Yes. Thank you, Jesus, for your ultimate obedience, Lord. Mm. In Jesus' name. Amen. Take the cup. Praise God. Second Samuel chapter 20, verse 14 through 22, verse 20. And what I'm going to do today is I'm not going to read all of these scriptures right here in Second Samuel. Because I do want to get to Acts today. Mm-hmm. We're going to spend some time. But I do want to focus on Second Samuel real quick. We'll read the scriptures on Wednesday together. I share these scriptures on Monday so that you are reading the scriptures all week. Studying for yourself, and then we get together, you're hearing the scripture again and some encouragement in it to go live it out. So that's how it ought to be working in your life. If you're not reading the scriptures ahead of time, you ought to be. Take the time, sit down. But if you've read the scriptures, scriptures, you're going to know what I'm going to say already. We have Sheba, who basically has replaced Absalom. He wants to overthrow David. David has been placed back as king over Israel. Now Sheba has decided, nope, David's not going to be king, so now he's leading Israel, but now right now he's on a run to a city where he can kind of get established and get his plan into place. And remember, David sent forth his army after him. Now Joab now, Joab killed his cousin last week, But this week, he's chasing Sheba with the army of Judah. Sheba is now in this city, this fortified city, and Joab and his men are attacking it. And there's a woman, and I love how the Bible describes her. She's full of wisdom. She yells out, you know, where's Joab? Joab, I want to talk to you. In the midst of the battle going on. This woman, full of wisdom, demands to speak to the leader of the army who's directing the attack to basically tear down and destroy the city. And she reminds Joab like this, and wait a minute, 
this is God's territory. And so then Joab and her have this conversation. He said, yes, I'm Joab. I'm the one in charge here, basically. I'm about the king's business. And she says, basically, reminds him of, of this town and their purpose. And she says, what is it basically that you want from us? And he says, I will stop the assault on this town, but give me Sheba. This is who I'm looking for. I have no beef with you, but I want Sheba. He's in there. So she says, okay. And again, the Bible describes her as a a woman of wisdom. So she turns to the town folks and says, we need to deal with Sheba. Because she tells Joab, we'll cut off his head and throw it to you. So she turned to the town folk and said, we need to do Sheba in. And that's what they did. They decapitated him and threw his head over. And Joab packed up and went back to King David. The threat was over. And we've seen King David's life. (laughs) We've seen him on point with God. And we've seen him many other times. Because remember, he's described as a man after God's own heart. But he wasn't perfect. And decisions that he has made has led to all of this chaos. Not just for himself. Not just for his family, but for the nation. It's an uproar. But as I shared with you last week, we're not to get easily discouraged. Because even though there's a lot of chaos, a lot of of consequences of wrong actions, God's purpose is still coming about. The Messiah is coming. Nothing's going to stop it. See, nothing's going to stop the purpose of God for your life. No matter what the circumstances are, no matter what you've done wrong, if you turn to God, He will make every crooked path straight. Doesn't mean that you're going to have an easy life, so don't look for that, because if you're looking for that, then you're not really looking towards Christ. Because again, you're about to be you're about to you're are to be about the Father's business. You know, and some people search for blessings, thinking blessings is prosperity, but don't forget, there's some that are purposed to suffer, and that's a blessing. Remember Peter last week? Jesus told him, and you're, you're, how he was going to die. And remember, Peter was like, okay, well, and then he turned around and saw the one that Jesus loved, and said, well, what about him? Jesus says, what is that to you? You just follow me. See, we're all purposed. And whatever God wants to accomplish in and through us, it's for him. So yet though we see all of this brouhaha going on, it's all establishing what is needed. And so then if you move on to chapter 21, David avenges the Gibeonites. So these are people way back in the days with Saul. Saul was trying to destroy them. And now, years and years later, we're still dealing with the issue that Saul was trying to do way back then. And so basically, there's a famine in the land. David's like, what can we do to fix this? And the Gibbon might say, give us seven sons of Saul to kill. To avenge for what Saul did for us. David said, okay, but David did not turn over Meshibbeth, Jonathan's son. Mm-hmm. David turned seven other guys 
within the, uh, within the family of Saul over to the Gibeonites for them to kill. They killed him. And one of the mothers, she went out and protected the bodies of her sons. She didn't let the, the, the prey at night or anything else, the beast at night or the prey, the birds in the day, to pick up the bodies. When David heard what was going on, he went and told them to go collect not only their bones, the seven that died, but go get Saul and Jonathan's bones. And let's have a proper burial. And it was at that point, after those men were killed, and after there was a proper burial, that the famine was lifted off the land. And then we pick up chapter 22. I didn't want to leave today without you hearing the words that David penned. Remember, he's a psalmist. A lot of the psalms are written by David. But listen to these words. I'm only going to read the verse 20. So 20, chapter 22, verse 1 of 2 Samuel through 20 today. David sang this song to the Lord on the day the Lord rescued him from all of his enemies and from Saul. Oh, please. Oh, I missed a big part. Yes. So in the midst of this, there's this battle that takes place against the Philistines. And David, in his elderly state was out there in the war and he was almost going to be killed to one of his men stepped in and then the bible says the men said to david you're not coming back out to war with us we cannot lose you that's beautiful so it was after this battle that took place that david pins this song and he sings the lord is my rock my fortress and my savior My God is my rock in whom I find protection. He is my shield, the power that saves me, and my place of safety. He is my refuge, my Savior, the one who saves me from violence. I called on the Lord who is worthy of praise, and he saved me from my enemies. The waves of death overwhelmed me. Floods of destruction swept over me. The grave wrapped its ropes around me. Death laid a trap in my path. But in my distress, I cried out to the Lord. Yes, I cried to my God for help. He heard me from his sanctuary. My cry reached his ears. Then the earth quaked and trembled. The foundations of the heavens shook. They quaked because of his anger. Smoke poured from his nostrils. Fierce flames leaped from his mouth. Glowing coals blazed forth from him. He opened the heavens and came down. Dark storm clouds were beneath his feet. Mountain on a mighty angelic being he flew, soaring on the wings of the wind. He shrouded himself in darkness, veiling his approach with dense rain clouds. A great brightness shone all around him, and burning coals blazed forth. The Lord thundered from heaven. The voice of the Most High resounded. He shot, he shot arrows and scattered his enemies. His lightning flashed and they were confused. Then at the command of the Lord, at the blast of his breath, the bottom of the sea could be seen and the foundation of the earth were, were laid bare. He reached down from heaven and rescued me. He drew me out of the deep waters. He rescued me from my powerful enemies, from those who hated me and were too strong for me. They attacked me at a moment when I was in distress. But the Lord, 
But the Lord supported me. He led me to a place of safety. He rescued me because he delights in me. This is David, you all. Notice that he didn't waller and beat himself up. What a bad king he is. What a bad person he is. And and do all this self-harm and self-neglect that we do when we see that we're just not measuring up. No, he, he knows his God. He sought after the Lord. He turned to the Lord in the midst of his distress. We see him time and time again repenting. We see him seeking because he knows his God. And that's why I want to encourage y'all. Do you know your God? Oh, I would encourage you to pin a song to the Lord. Write out to him in gratitude. Write out to him in a place that you can just pour out your heart to him. If that's something that you're not used to doing, I would encourage you to do it. Go to the book of Acts. We're only looking at Acts chapter 1, verse 1 through 26. We're opening the book of Acts, you all. We finished yet another book of the Bible. We are walking through the Bible. And the purpose for the book of Acts is to record the birth and growth of the Christian church. Luke is the author of it. And so we pick up here under the direction. He wrote this for Theophilus, who was a government official in Rome. So the book of Luke and the book of Acts was written for Theophilus, but ultimately it was inspired by the Holy Spirit for the church. So remember, this is the word of God. It was divinely inspired by the Holy Spirit, not by man, to be written for the church from the beginning to the end. And I love what one commentator said that even, you know, sometimes you'll see people refer to the book of Acts as the Acts, the book being called the Acts of the Apostles. But this one commentator said it actually should be the Acts of the Holy Spirit. Because it's all about the Holy Spirit. Remember, he's the one who was promised by Jesus to the disciples that when I go away, he will come. So we pick up here. In my first book, I told you, Theophilus, about everything Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. After giving his chosen apostles further instructions through the Holy Spirit during the 40 days after he suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time. And he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. And that's important. Remember, like we talked on Wednesday night, he wasn't a ghost. Jesus was in flesh after he rose up from the dead. He was fully God, fully man in flesh. He was alive. And he talked to them about the kingdom of God. Once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, Jesus' words, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, But in just in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? He replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, and in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. 
After saying this, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching, and they could no longer see him. As they strained to see him raising into, rising into heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, they said, why are you standing here, staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday, come on church, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives and a distance of a half of a mile. When they arrived, they went into the upstairs room of the house where they were staying. Here are the names of those who were present. Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, son of, of Alphaeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James. They all met together and were constantly united in prayer along with Mary, the mother of Jesus, several other women, and the brothers of Jesus. During this time, when about 120 believers were together in one place, Peter stood and addressed them. Brothers, he said, the scriptures had to be fulfilled concerning Judas, who guided those who arrested Jesus. This was predicted long ago by the Holy Spirit, speaking through King David. Judas was one of us and shared in the ministry with us. Judas had bought a field with the money he received from his treachery. Falling headfirst there, his body split open, spilling out all of his intestines. The news of his death spread to all the people of Jerusalem, and they gave the place the Aramaic name, which means, I'm not even going to butcher that, field of blood. Peter continued, this was written in the book of Psalms, where it says, Let his home become desolate, with no one living in it. It also says, let someone else take his position. Everything written in the old is being fulfilled in the new. That's why I always encourage you, as you study the Old Testament, to see Jesus all in it. It was written to point to Jesus. It was written, everything that was prophesied, everything that was documented should happen, did happen, all the way down to Judas's death and the place and the field in which he purposed would be desolate. This is the God in whom you say you belong to, whom you believe in. <laughs> so, now we must choose a replacement from Judas from among the men who were with us the entire time we were traveling with the Lord Jesus. From the time he was baptized by John until the day he was taken from us, whoever is chosen will join us as a witness of Jesus' resurrection. So they nominated two men, Joseph called Barsabbas, also known as Justice, and Matthias. Matthias. Then they all prayed. I love that. Oh Lord, you know every heart. Show us which of these men you have chosen as an apostle to replace Judas in this ministry. For he has deserted us and gone where he belongs. Then they, then they cast lots. And Matthias was selected to become an apostle with the other eleven. Now, casting lots was a way back in the Old Covenant, back in the Old Testament, that they discerned the will of God. This is the last time you will hear about casting lots. Because the Holy Spirit comes upon them. And we don't need to cast lots to know the will of God. 
Because now as the church, we have the Holy Spirit. Amen? Psalm 121. It's only eight verses. Psalm 121. Again, I can't keep encouraging you enough to get into the book of Psalms. Find encouragement, find strength, and the transparency of these brothers who wrote out these psalms for the, for the church. Psalm 121. Ah, oh, it's a beautiful one. I look up to the mountains. Does my help come from there? My help comes from the Lord, who made heaven and earth. He will not let you stumble. The one who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, who, indeed he who watches over Israel never slumbers or sleeps. The Lord himself watches over you. The Lord stands beside you as your protective shade. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon at night. The Lord keeps you from all all harm and watches over your life. The Lord keeps watch over you as you come and go, both now and forever. This is our God, you all. He's with us. He's for us. He's purposed us. He's called us to be about His business, to represent Him. On this earth. And so you can take comfort in the fact that he knows every your every step. Go to Proverbs 16, verse 18. One nugget of wisdom. Proverbs 16, verse 18. Pride goes before destruction and haughtiness before a fall. Oh, how I pray that you allow the Holy Spirit to have full reign in your life to deal with the pride that so easily will love nothing more than to control each one of us. That's where sin is birthed from. Sin is birthed from the desires that are from within, a nature that is prideful, a nature that is totally in rebellion against God. But Jesus came, and he has defeated sin and death. And so we're to go forth from here on, you all, proclaiming the good news of the gospel, sharing Jesus with others, because he is returning. He is returning, and that's the hope that we have. So live out that hope, you all. No matter what the circumstances you're facing in life, live out that hope that those eastern skies are going to part And Jesus is going to gather those who belong to him. I'm going to close this in the song, and then I'll close this in prayer.